Hi, I'm Daniel Arnold, and today I'm joined by Duncan Lockhead from Dulux Decorator Centres to talk to us about the company's sustainability ambitions, our partnership, and the success of our paint can recycling scheme that's recently passed the 1 million cans recycled milestone. Welcome to the Veolia podcast. Here at Veolia, we provide solutions for ecological transformation by delivering innovative services across water, waste and energy. We work with a range of businesses and organisations from a variety of different sectors on projects that are helping to optimise resources, decrease pollution and fight climate change. Hear about what these partnerships are achieving in our industry-leading podcast series, which features our customers, industry professionals and our very own Veolia experts. Stay tuned. A key part of ecological transformation, as the name suggests, is transforming our patterns of consumption and closing the loop on resources. By partnering with like-minded companies like GX Decorator Centres, we're doing just that by recycling used paint cans. This initiative recently reached the milestone of 1 million cans recycled, saving significant amounts of carbon emissions and preserving virgin resources. Listen to my conversation with Duncan to find out more about the value of this partnership. Hi Duncan. Uh, hi Dan, uh, thanks very much. Uh, good to uh, good to be with you today. Um, perhaps it's a good idea for me to introduce uh, our business and what we do. Um, I'm, I'm actually part of the Dulux Decorator Centres, which is a specific bit of Dulux Axonabel. Uh, I guess quite a lot of people will not be that familiar with the, the name Axonobel. Um, Axonobel is a it's a big global uh, manufacturer of paints and coatings. Um, in the UK, you, you might know brands, well, hopefully, definitely know <laughs> yeah. Dulux, uh, but there are other brands uh, in the portfolio, things like Hammerite, Cuprinol, uh, Polycell, um, and Axonobel, you know, make paint and uh, distribute to consumers. So, for example, you know, uh, that's us going down to B&Q home base and buying, buying our Dulux for our Dulux for home. Uh, but then we also supply the trade market, so that's uh, decorators and painting contractors at roughly equal sizes, those two markets. And through uh, to the trade, uh, uh, the biggest uh, distribution, uh, distribution point is the Dulux decorator centres, unsurprisingly. Uh, and there are around about 245 uh, stores in our network uh, across the country yeah lovely and about we, we collect from 137 of those on, on a weekly basis um yeah so we do a little bit of um what's the right word bringing it all together so you consolidate the empty the empty tins the empty metal and plastic tins at, at, at your decorating centers we then on a national fleet collect them uh, on a weekly fortnightly monthly basis depending on obviously the requirement the frequency Consolidate them then at our regional transfer stations before then being sent for home of recycling. So depending on whether they're, they're, they're metal or plastic determines then the, the, the final recycling facility that we then send that to. Yeah. And and just thinking about it from, that's kind of back end, I suppose, isn't it? But the front end from our customer's perspective, um, uh, actually, if we go one step back, if you think about uh, the big two waste challenges we have in our market, one is empty cans, and the other is uh, cans that have some paint left in, hmm. uh, half-filled cans hiding in people's garages and uh, cupboards under the stairs. 
But uh, from an empty cans perspective, this is a big, you know, it's a massive challenge for us as a market. It's something, the scary stat is that something like uh, 100 million empty paint cans go to waste uh, in the UK every year. That's not just us, that's, that's the, the, market, whole, actually, the whole yeah. market. Yeah. Um, so finding a, uh, that, that's why this service is, is so important, finding a way to make it easy for customers to return cans and feel kind of reassured that they are going to be recycled and not end up in landfill is what we're, what we, what we're doing here, what we're trying to do. Um, and what we've been trying to do for the last um, over 10 years, uh, it's, I, I guess it's been a bit of a struggle for us. Um, you know, the adoption of the can recycling, which is a free of charge service that we offer to customers, uh, has been uh, slower. The good news is it picked up uh, at a faster rate uh, last year, uh, it increased at a faster rate than, than previous years. So. You know, hopefully the message is, is finally sinking in. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it really easy for customers to to either uh, return empty cans to the stores, uh, or, or we make it really easy uh, because half of what we uh, what we supply we deliver to sites, to construction sites or uh, sites that people are working on, uh, and then we'll pick up whilst we deliver, pick up empty cans from uh, from sites. All our customers have to do is, is bag them up. Make them available to you. Do them a little bit of paperwork uh, and uh, and return them, yeah. So uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, excellent. And obviously today we're celebrating quite the landmark with the service passing at the end of last year a million cans that have been recycled through the scheme. And it just goes to show really, obviously, the, 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 the how both the, the Gilux Action Nobel and the Veolia Goals are, are really aligned with this to obviously drive what we what we like to consider as ecological transformation, and yeah, it, it's it's a roaring success really. And obviously, as you rightly say, it's picking up, it's getting more engagement, and, and hopefully, as a result, we can reach more clients, more people, and obviously, then deter more material down the scheme for for, for, for true recycling. Really, yeah. The the one million cans was was a great milestone, um, and uh, and actually, it was quite nice because. <clears throat> Because we keep a track of all of the cans that return uh, that are returned, we were able to to know that the one millionth can uh, came back to our uh, Dulux Decorator Centre at Newtown Road in Birmingham in July last year, uh, and, and we know who the customer was who returned hmm. it. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so it was a great landmark, and that's great. But there are still you know a lot of uh, a lot of empty cans that are we're not capturing through the uh, empty can recycling scheme that we uh, you know that we are desperately trying to change habits it's quite it's a kind of habitual industry decorators the age profile of decorators is uh, average age is around about 52 so it's quite an old uh, an old profession, which is an issue because you know they're going to retire and yeah. people are going to run out of decorators. But um, but the older ones are, are, are ingrained in what they do and their habits can, can be set in their ways a little bit. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And um, and getting them to think differently about their empty cans rather than just slinging it in the 
uh, in the skip on the site, uh, but actually have them returned so we can ensure that they are recycled properly with your help. Um, you know, that, that's, that's really hard, but that's what we're aiming for. Excellent. As well as recycling empty paintings then, Duncan, what are you doing to assist with your clients that are looking to sustainably dispose of their partially or full paintings? Yeah, that second uh, big waste challenge that we have as an industry. By the way, it's a big one as well. Mm. Uh, Shall I ask you a question, put you on the spot here, actually? Because you can try. You might remember this, you might not. But what is the average number of half-filled paint tins that people have in their garages and their sheds and their cupboards under the stairs? I wouldn't even like to guess because I know I'll be so I'm far sure, out. I'm sure you must have heard this before. I, I probably have. But Go it's... on, have a guess. Eight. Eight. Eight is a good guess, but very wrong. Oh. <laughs> right answer. <laughs> Having done uh, research uh, as an industry on this is 17. Wow. Particularly if you think about all those little tester pots and everything, oh, it yeah. all mounts up, doesn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, if uh, they kind of rest in people's, people's sheds and garages, gathering dust, then eventually they have to be dealt with, don't they? Um, and actually, we've worked out that if you, um, if you add it all up together, it's, it's a, a waste paint lake of 40 to 50 million litres of paint a year that goes to waste. And, and the sad thing about that is that um, uh, l- lots of that waste paint is in reasonably good condition and can be and can be used. And, and um, so, yeah, over ten percent of what we, as an organisation, make and and, and sell, uh, never makes it onto the wall. It just just goes straight into into waste. Um, which is criminal. All that res- all the resources used to make it, the energy and uh, raw materials. It's, um, so, uh, yeah, so there are a number of things that we uh, need to address that issue to. Um, uh, one, one nice, so the good news is some things are happening. Um, a, a good one to mention is uh, an organisation we've sponsored now for uh, 30 years. They're called uh, Community Repaint. And they, um, they have a network of 60 or 70 projects around the country. They take in um, old waste paint and uh, kind of sort through it and then provide it, sell it on at a very low cost to people in need or to community projects. And that's great. So we're kind of diverting, uh, you know, good paint, usable paint away from the waste stream uh, completely. Yeah, ready for reuse, which is obviously a great way in which to, to utilise that material. Yeah, perfect. But that is only scratching the surface, and there's loads, uh, loads more that we need to do to uh, to deal with that great big issue. Um, you know, including uh, you know contractors, painting contractors who have great big store cupboards, store areas, store rooms filled with um, with old scary you know messy paint that's built up over 10 20 years uh, and you know although we we haven't completely nailed it yet we are of course working on something with you to, yeah indeed yeah to try and find a, a way to provide a service to customers to deal with that yeah absolutely i mean we have obviously the infrastructure to be able to 
to treat bulk liquid paint as long as it obviously conforms to to certain criteria, uh, obviously with water-based, solvent-based. So there's a number of different options we can provide through our UK infrastructure. Um, and yeah, obviously, yeah, like you rightly really say, we're, we're trying a service now in, in a particular region to see how we're getting on. We've had, we've had a, a relatively good engagement towards the back end of last year, and hopefully that will then build this year. Fingers crossed. How does the scheme fit into Dulux's wider sustainability strategy, then, Duncan? Uh, well, the, the strategy, uh, particularly for Dulux decorator centres, uh, centres around three, uh, three key pillars, really. So there's uh, sustainable products, and packaging is part of that, um, sustainable services, uh, and sustainability within our own uh, organisation, a kind of operational sustainability, I suppose. So just to, to kind of bring that to life, so the types of things that we are um, uh, that we are looking at and working on. So if we think about sustainable products, um, uh, well, there's all sorts of uh, uh, you know technological developments, but probably the, the cool big thing at the moment is um, uh, is a stream of activity that's uh, centered on a very um, very low carbon technology. Uh, so these are paints that are 99.9% solvent free. So solvent, just to kind of paint the picture a bit, uh, solvents have been used by the paint industry for uh, hundreds of years. They help make paint flow out and get your nice smooth, uh, smooth finish. For those of us who are older, like me, uh, you'll remember old, uh, very high solvent paints, very smelly, very potent, um, using solvents like white spirit, which tend to all come from the petrochemical industry, so they're very high carbon, uh, so that's bad. So now we have um, uh, new resin technology, which helps make uh, more and more of the paints that we manufacture and sell um, be entirely water-based, which obviously completely changes the, the uh, carbon profile. So that's a, that's a really good big change at the moment. Um, just from a sustainable services perspective, obviously all, all that we do helping customers deal with waste is a big factor. Um, but there are also things that we're doing to help customers model um, model the, the, the paints they use and the carbon impact over short, medium and long-term period, um, the life cycle modeling tools. Uh, and, and key to that is carbon data. So carbon data is a key bit that we've been working on too. And then when I think about um, sustainability within our organization as a whole, uh, I mean, there's, there's loads of things that you're probably you're probably doing too, and just as we are. But there, there's, um, you know, the trialing of electric vehicles for deliveries. There's uh, sustainability training for all of our people to make sure that it's kind of part of business as usual. Uh, there's how we um, how we deal with the carbon in buildings, the operational carbon and the carbon embedded in our buildings. Um, Loads of different streams of activity uh, on that front. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's it. Really, does, it goes to show that the the, the aims and the ambitions of, of Dulux really dovetail with with, with Beely's own, and I think that's what makes such a great partnership. Really, how crucial are partnerships such as the one between Dulux and Beely in delivering these sustainable initiatives? 
Well, they, they are vital, absolutely vital for us. Um, when then, when we map, uh, you know, our uh, our footprint um, as an organisation, when we look upstream and when we look downstream, it's the same for most organisations, isn't it? That's where the big impacts are. You know, our operational, you know, within our own operations, it's only between two and five percent. So. All the stuff upstream, uh, all our suppliers, all the uh, you know uh, help uh, and raw materials and innovation that we get from suppliers upstream, and equally downstream, you know thinking about waste uh, um, and Veolia, uh, we can't hit our overall ambition. By the way, our big ambition is to halve uh, carbon emissions by twenty thirty. Um, across the full value chain, upstream, downstream, and in the middle. Um, so we can't achieve that without the help, assistance, and collaboration of all the people that we work with across across the whole value chain. Um, yeah, so when I think about, uh, when I think about Veolia, you know, you have, for us, you have a really crucial role in helping us um, you know, radically improve the waste profile of our industry as a whole. Uh, so we really, you know, we really need your help, but, you know, we really need you to be able to provide great, great service, but also be doing all the things behind the scene to make that, that service, you know, lower and lower carbon uh, as we progress through the years towards 2030. Yeah, well, it is a true partnership, really, because obviously at the same time we need your assistance when it comes to perhaps collecting from your clients directly in some cases with providing us obviously with the relevant information to allow us to be able to undertake that successfully. So yeah, it really is a hand in glove approach with these sorts of initiatives and to make it a success certainly. Yeah, and we're not, you know, we're not experts at dealing with waste, you're experts at dealing with waste. So um, it's expertise we need, isn't it? Absolutely. A lot of brands now are coming under fire for so-called greenwashing. How do you ensure that your sustainability projects aren't mistaken for greenwashing and are taken seriously as industry-leading initiatives? Yeah, greenwashing uh, is a term that our legal department love to talk about uh, on a frequent basis with us. Um, and, it's, and it's good and right to, um, to think about and to address the greenwashing issue. Um, I, I suppose my uh, initial response uh, is data. Uh, it's it's data and science um, that gives us you know uh, robust platforms. So, for example, you know we've uh, we've signed up to uh, science-based targets as an organisation. Um, that means that our top-line goals are properly uh, robust and have been tested, you know, in effect through a third party. Um, but Every element of the business that um, on which we make a claim, it's a bit like we were talking earlier on about the empty can recycling, being able to track all of the movements and to track what happens to the cans, you know, with your help. Um, you know, that means that we can do things like make a nice story about the one millionth can that, that was recycled. So, so we need the data and we need the science behind it. Um, but we do need to, uh, you, we have to have a balance on that because um, 
there's a new term, right? There's a new term. Go on. Green hushing. Have you heard of green, green hushing? Green I can't hushing? say I have, but it sounds interesting. Okay. Green hushing can mean a number of different things, but it can mean that, um, you know, companies for fear of being accused of greenwashing say nothing, you know, and they hide and they, they put very little in their annual reports because there's a tension, isn't there? There's a tension between between what you claim and what you can justify. Of course, yeah. Um, so we that that is bad. So we have to try and hit the sweet spot in the middle, um, and and not be too scared of doing any communication with a you know for our customers or for for the market as a whole. Uh, so yeah, green greenwashing. We need to we need to address it, um, and we need to have robust data, but we need to watch out for not saying anything. Yeah, I think obviously what you say with data is bang on really. I mean, it's it's, it's tangible, isn't it? We self-deliver, self-deliver the service for you. As a result, obviously we can demonstrate what's collected from when, and obviously your robust system yourself can can track where the origin of the, the, the cans come from, from a client piece. So absolutely, I mean, it, it's all there. What can't talk, can't lie. We, we've taken to the downstream facilities where they actually do the recycling as well on occasion. So it's all, it's all robustly tested and for, from a duty of care piece, and as a result, what, what we're talking about, it's important to talk about it, and what we say we do, we are actually doing in practice. Yeah. And just the, the other thing that data enables, which is nice, um, it enables us to provide a, an annual certificate to our customers to say, this is exactly how many empty cans you've returned to us and that have been recycled. And that's good for them because they can you know, potentially use that uh, as kind of, um, you know, good uh, good case stories for them with their, with their customers. Uh, or it can be, crikey, we need to do better. Uh, and then they talk to their staff about how to improve cancer. Yeah, actually so, a trigger to change that behavior and obviously then drive drive better practice. So yeah. yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of our discussion today. So, so thank you, Duncan. Uh, if anyone wants to learn anything more about the, 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 the scheme that we've run together in partnership, visit the Geox Decorator website or Vialia's own UK website. Um, thank you for your time today, Duncan. It's been it's been great chatting. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me, uh, Veolia. Our relationship is really important to us, onwards and upwards. Absolutely.